welcome to another episode of Inside the Bradfield Centre. I'm James Parton, the Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre. And I'm Adelina Chalmers. I'm also known as the Geek Whisperer. Joining us in this episode is Catherine Elton, who's the CEO of Bradfield Centre-based company QKine. Um, about Catherine's journey but also she has quite a complex biotech company and there's not a lot of those at the Bradfield Centre as far as I know so I'll be really interested to hear how she's been able to connect with other members when they were able to meet in the building or how the building's been able to support her because she has such a such a niche kind of business and um, also Catherine's the first, I mean, we've actually supported a number of spin-outs from the University at the Bradfield Centre over the last few years, but um, Catherine's the first to come onto the podcast, so I'm really keen to you know, hear the story of how the spin-out came about and the process they went through with Cambridge Enterprise to, uh, to, to grow the company. I think it's going to be an interesting one. I look forward to, um, to hearing what she has to say. So, Catherine, thanks for making the time to talk to us today. We very much appreciate that. Um, maybe we could just kick things off by um, just getting some perspective on your career and, and how you find yourself as the, uh, the CEO of QKI. Hi, James. That's great. And again, thanks for the invitation. So I've been kicking around the Cambridge community for a while now. So I came down here to do my degree and PhD in biochemistry department, like a lot of people, and never found a good reason to leave because it's a fantastic um, community. So when I finished my PhD back in, actually in 2000, I joined Abcam, which was then um, a small company in an intense scale-up phase. So I actually enjoyed as an employee 35, and goodness knows how many employees they have now in the thousands. So after a brief sojourn in business development, um, I moved into the lab to really scale up their in-house manufacture and, and characterization of antibodies. And it was... a uh, a really exciting time to be part of that that company. It was uh, such a growth phase, and during that time, we also we IPO'd um, in two thousand and five. So it was a, a great time to be on the management team and and see how that process all worked, and just interesting to see how a company is impacted by that transition from private to um, a public company. So after I finished Abcam. Uh, I took a career break, which was wonderful. Did some weird and wonderful things, as you do, uh, and looked after my my two little girls. And anyway, I got to the point where I really needed to challenge myself. And maybe, and uh, I've come across the Daphne Jackson Turner's Fellowship Scheme, which is about returning into academic research. And I just thought, you know, if you're going to challenge yourself, that's the way to do it. So I decided I'd go back into academia. It's, it's not been a linear career path, but I think then a lot of people don't have linear career paths. So I was fascinated by new technologies that, that had come out, like high-throughput sequencing and stem cells, which, to be fair, hadn't even been invented when I did my PhD. So I, I had the, the burning urge to go and work at the Sanger Institute. So I was lucky enough to get placed in Gavin Wright's group there and worked on proteins which actually are involved in the invasion of red blood cells by parasites which I could talk about another time so it's a very interesting subject 
while I was doing my fellowships in one in one of those um, serendipitous Cambridge type meetings, which only happens in the Cambridge cluster, uh, I met Andy Walsh, who was uh, one of the senior uh, technology transfer people at Cambridge Enterprise, a dinner party. And next day, he emailed me and said uh, whether I fancied kicking the tyres of an exciting protein manufacture company commercialization opportunity that he had on his books and um, could really do with someone with life science reagents manufacturing background to look at. So that, to cut a long story short, that's how I met Marco. I was super impressed by his technology and fundamental driving passion to improve the biochemical quality of the complex set of proteins that, that he specializes in. And that's how uh, we ended up founding Qkine at the end of 2016. It's excellent to understand a bit more about your history, Catherine. Can you tell us a bit more about Qkine and what problems does it solve? What solutions does it offer? Um, it'd be really interesting to understand the what, how, how and why of the business. Yeah, good question. So the what is is really fundamental actually is that i believe that stem cell and organoid technologies are really transforming research into human disease and drug discovery but not only that but they also have the potential to have a much wider impact on the world um one of the areas that's of real interest to us at the moment is the cell uh, cellular agriculture cultured meat area where Similar to the challenges people have in scaling up stem cell technologies for medical research, we need to also look at scaling um, stem cell technologies for a consumer market. So, so that's the um, really the what. What do we do? Is we want to actually improve the supply chain for these you know, high impact industries. And what we do at Qkine is we manufacture complex bioactive proteins. Um, which are critical reagents in the supply chain for stem cell biology. So can you tell me a bit more about the problem that you're solving? What, what's the need in the marketplace that Qkine addresses? Yeah, absolutely. So the proteins that we make are critical reagents for people doing any sort of stem cell-based work. But there are only a few manufacturers globally which make these complex proteins, there's both a need to supply these proteins at a much higher biochemical quality so that people can reliably scale their process and look, look towards the future. But also um, there's a need for innovation within this industry to address real concrete problems that our customers have with scaling their processes. And this is all about innovating the, the biochemistry of the proteins themselves. So uh, for instance, shortening them to make them easier to make at high volume and high high purity, and optimizing their their sort of really biological properties of those proteins. So what we do basically in Qkine is we make these proteins at exceptionally high purity, and we use innovation to make them better. Catherine, can you give us an example of what this looks like in the marketplace? Yeah, so for instance, you, you may have come across organoid technologies. Now, organoids are self-assembled groups of stem cells which mimic uh, many organs. Um, and people use them to explore um, several real-world medical issues that you can't study um, in, in, a, in a complex system. So one of the very relevant examples of that would be virus invasion into lung organoids. Now, um, when you grow organoids, you have to use these proteins, these growth factors that we make. 
uh, and you can grow these organoids for months on end. And you have and the proteins we make are in the media which those organoids are sitting in, which keeps them healthy and keeps giving them the correct set of messages, telling them to stay as the cell type that they want to be. So um, because you're uh, having to culture these organoids for long periods, you're using a lot of growth factors. They're both expensive and you need to make sure you've got very consistent quality of those growth factors because they're pivotal reagents within that, within that biological culture. Um, so, for instance, one of our proteins, our spondin-1, uh, people usually use a very complex mixture. It's a conditioned media, but it's, um, it's a complex mixture of proteins. What we've managed to do is take that protein, cut it down to its smallest active form, make it a very high purity. And then we are now supplying that to biotech companies um, in Cambridge who are then able to scale up their cultures using our proteins. So it sounds like the company's gained, you know, pretty rapid traction. Uh, and you've recently had some exciting news about um, a, a fundraiser, Series A. So do you want to tell us a little bit more information about that process? Yeah, really, really excellent, actually. And just five minutes before we started recording, the Business Weekly came through my door um, with our announcements in, which was rather lovely. Yeah, we've just um, closed our um, 1.5 million Series A, and the, the purpose of that is really to launch our, uh, to launch ourselves commercially across the world because we operate in a a global marketplace. When we're, we're not constrained by geographic boundaries with who our customers are and who we can help. So we've recently recruited a head of commercial, and over the last few weeks, we've been having conversations with people across the globe, really. So one purpose of our um, funding round will be to, to push forward that commercial launch. And the other side is to scale our laboratory and production facilities. One of the strengths of being in Cambridge, I think, is, is access to really talented and committed investors. Um, we've been very fortuitous in this round in that we've really invited onto our investor base some some absolutely world-class people. So uh, the round was led by Parkwalk, who um, are a London-based firm, just absolutely fantastic people to deal with, um, very astute, and I'm confident that they'll support us through the rest of our journey. And then Cambridge-based funds who are all incredibly generous with their time. So they're not just bringing investment to the company, but time and connections and um yeah we've been very lucky really with the people that are supporting us so a quick a quick supplementary question there um we we i mean a lot's being written at the moment in terms of the challenges around startups and fundraising in the current you know kind of economic climate was so was this fundraising already underway prior to the covid crisis or is this close during the crisis you know did it affect you what how, how did how how did things play out yeah, it did. I mean, we were just closing the round at the start of lockdown. Uh, we ran two two um, two closes. One was just before, and one was um, after lockdown. Now, it was obviously a difficult and challenging time for everybody, including some of our um, our investors. So, we did have to have some some um, some really honest and open conversations with people. We had to move around some small um, investments and, and just juggle the numbers slightly. But what was lovely is those people that, that, that weren't able to support us to the same extent, our other investors stepped up. So actually there's no long term, no 
impact on the round as a total. I think, it, again, it's testament to the, the the strength of support that we've got from our investor base that uh, everyone just rallied around at that difficult time. Yeah, but I I do think it is still possible to raise money now. And actually, there are a lot of investors that recognise that high growth life sciences and research intensive companies are actually a good investment at the moment when the global markets are really shaky. Has COVID-19 impacted your business in any meaningful way, you know, having to work remotely or, you know, how's that impacted the lab work that you might have to do? Yeah, I, th- I think like all um, all, all companies in, 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 in the UK, um, there has been an impact from COVID. So what we did is um, we decided that the the safety and the 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 well-being of our employees is absolute utmost priority to us so we temporarily paused uh, our lab based work because that's where you, you can't socially distance in a laboratory uh, you know we didn't know what the environment would be around that so we we decided to um pause laboratory work actually just before the official government lockdown. And actually, we're, we're going to start our labs up again in a couple of weeks' time. We're just doing a bit of a minor refit at the moment to maximise lab space. No, I think, um, as with all these things, I was impressed by my team. And uh, we, it's actually been a, a superb opportunity. As a small startup, moving very quickly, you never have time to stop and pause and reflect and what we've done is we've used the time to uh, do, for instance, um, a lot of the planning for the R&D work that would normally run in parallel with laboratory work. And we've been able to do it with a level of detail which we wouldn't normally be able to achieve. We've also onboarded an entire commercial team during lockdown. And it's been fascinating, actually. We've uh, had uh, Martlet have been running seminars on remote um, onboarding of teams uh, remote recruitment and, and it's it's been fascinating the two key members of the commercial team have never actually met each other but have formed a most wonderful team so so yes there has been an impact I think we, we've obviously also had to uh, re-forecast there's, there's a financial impact for all startups it would be silly to say there wasn't we we've had to make sensible decisions to conserve cash during this period uh, preemptively because you don't know what's going to happen in the market. I think we are very lucky in that our market is very resilient. Life science research is incredibly important and will continue to be well-funded. There will continue to be opportunities. So I think in terms of startups, we're actually very lucky that we operate in such a resilient market. So I don't think the long-term impact will be too detrimental. Yeah, that's good to hear. And we're also keen to welcome you back into the building once, uh, once you're ready to return. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I popped in. I popped in uh, last week actually, and chatted with Mark, and uh, it was it was very strange to because there's normally such a buzz and it's normally such a hive of activity. It will come back. It will come back. You, you start. You 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 touched on kind of the advantages and and some of the special, um, you know, the special nature of the Cambridge ecosystem. Um, one thing I'm keen to ask you about is your experience of being a spin-out from the university, because obviously that's another uh, real kind of uh, you know value creation asset that the city has is just how many companies come from the university. Um, so maybe you could just you know 
I guess, enlighten the listeners in terms of what it's like being, you know, an academic and then spinning a business out through the university and, and, and what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I suppose I've got a slightly different um, perspective on this because um, when we span out um, QKine, I wasn't an academic within the university, but my co-founder was, and he still is. Marco is still a full-time academic at the university. Cambridge Enterprise really has got it right when it comes to spinning companies out. The team there are very knowledgeable. I'll be blunt, they make you jump through hoops. But do you know what? It's for exactly the right reasons. Uh, they want to check that you have the the persistence and the the drive and and to actually make your business a success. So some people find it a, a challenging experience. I mean, it, it is. And um, I mean, yeah, it'd be interesting to know like what the kind of trigger. You know, what's the trigger? What's the point where you go? Do you know what? This could be you know a commercially viable business and you know what what steps do you take to kind of just walking through walking in your shoes basically because you know for the the thousands of people that haven't done that before so my co-founder is marco hoovenen he's a group leader in structural biochemistry in the university and he had some technology for producing active na which is one of these complex growth factors uh, which he'd been uh, making within a core facility in his university lab and supplying to the Cambridge Stem Cell Institute for around about 10 years. And um, that was credited with really allowing that Stem Cell Institute to scale its cultures and to become uh, world-leading um, because these growth factors are a significant cost to the research community. So uh, that was a starting point for us. We were already talking quite closely with Cambridge Enterprise uh, and we decided to apply for their Pathfinder funding, which is a small amount of funding uh, done as a convertible loan, which allows you to put some time and energy into developing a business model. So we did that. And at the same time, I engaged with some old colleagues of mine from Abcam because I thought of all the people if it didn't have commercial legs, they would honestly tell me that it really didn't. So two of those people were Jim Warwick, who was ex-COO Abcam, who is now actually also chair of our board. So you can probably preempt his uh, thoughts on the, uh, the matter. Uh, and Eddie Powell, who was my old CFO at Abcam, who I have ultimate respect for and and is absolutely the person that you would want to kick the the forecast side of a business model. They were very supportive. And in fact, the uh, the best thing was that they said, we're in. So they were some of my original uh, angel investors that came in when we did our first seed round, along with three other really fantastic angels from the Cambridge scene. Uh, in fact, one of the uh, benefits of being at Bradfield Centre, James, has been uh, because Cambridge Angels are there. And uh, it's been wonderful to meet up with them on an informal basis because a lot of them seem to hang out there, which is great. Uh, we've uh, snuck into the Cambridge Angels. <laughs> we snuck into the Cambridge Angels uh, portfolio through the back door. So they've now got a term for this, which is their halo companies. So uh, which are those that have not been through their official process, but have a, a number of investors from the Cambridge Angels group. Now, the next steps of um, at Cambridge Enterprise is really a, 
about forming that seed round and Cambridge Enterprise are very supportive of companies, uh, once you jump through lots of hoops, are very supportive of companies and allow you to pitch to their investment committee, which is a fantastic experience. It, it It's hard and it's intense and you really have to have all your ducks in a row, but um, it, you, you very rarely get the opportunity to get the input from so many talented investors from different sectors in one place at one time. And the Cambridge Enterprise investment uh, managers support you through this process. So uh, Christine Martin has worked very closely with us um, over the last um, four or five years to really help facilitate this process. Obviously, alongside that, you need all the usual things you need as a startup. So you need your uh, your pitch, your decks, your forecast, and, and all the other good things that help you to convince your investors that you really are a valid business. Could I ask you, do you have any tips for any other um, startups, uh, CEOs that might be listening, uh, who might want to pitch to Cambridge Enterprise if they have tech coming out of Cambridge University, what what it was like to pitch the investment committee, and any any tips and suggestions for them how to do that in a successful way? Yeah, absolutely. My my one fundamental tip is talk to people and build your network first. Talk to people who've done it. The one really amazing thing about Cambridge is people can be very generous with their time. So reach out to your network. You know, I'm always happy to talk to companies as well and really get a group of people together that can influence you before you even get to the investment committee. One element which is, I think, sometimes neglected in a startup pitch is the financial side of things. Um, Although uh, bringing on a CFO very early is hugely expensive, there are a lot of very talented CFOs out there that are willing to give startups just a little bit of their time. That sort of input is invaluable. Also, I'd really recommend uh, taking part in accelerator programs and competitions. Now, We're incredibly lucky around Cambridge, and I think this is one reason why we're so successful in spinning out companies. There are so many opportunities to engage in these sorts of programs. So uh, within the University of Cambridge Enterprise runs the postdoc uh, competition. I've been involved with uh, the judge uh, business school as 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 a mentor. There are a lot of competitions and opportunities running through that. There's also the iTeams program. Uh, where PhDs and postdocs can get an an experience of building business models around real-life businesses. When you get a little bit further on, one of the opportunities that that we were lucky enough to participate in was the Babram Accelerator, which which I can't emphasise enough as a fabulous programme to meet high-impact investors and people who've really been there and done that. And, And again, very generous with their time. And also to to form links with other other startup CEOs who are in exactly the same position who can share your pain. So that, that was really fascinating, Catherine. Um, just in terms of closing things up, is there, is there anything you'd like to draw people's attention to? Well, the first thing is that I'm very supportive of the startup scene around Cambridge. So genuinely, if you want to reach out to me uh, to find out more about starting up a company in Cambridge, whether it's with the university or independently, then feel free to reach out to me. My email address is just catherine at qkind.com or you can contact us through the website. 
Also, um, because we've got this uh, nice funding, we're expanding. So I'm very soon going to be looking for somebody to join my management team to really lead and scale our protein production laboratories. So if there's anyone out there who fancies a challenge uh, and uh, that journey of scaling, then please, again, reach out and join me. And um, again, bring it back to the Bradfield Centre, no life science company, is is complete without a superb digital presence that adds value to their customers. So we're also recruiting into our commercial team and looking for people who are interested in internships within WordPress development and SEO and various of those elements. So if anyone's interested in in really experiencing scaling the digital presence of a startup, then please also reach out to us and I'll put you in touch with the right person in my team to chat to. Catherine, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, for me, it's been really interesting to hear more about the um, uh, journey that the startup CEO takes um, to spin out of Cambridge Enterprise. Because I worked, I worked at Cambridge Enterprise for many years, but I, I never experienced the journey that you're talking about. I only experienced from the outside, ob- observing the pitches uh, that people make uh, to the investment committee. Because I was um, at a few of those meetings as well. So I, it's nice to hear from the other side. So thank you for telling us that. It's a pleasure. And and thank you, James and Adelina, for inviting us onto this podcast. It really is a pleasure. It was really interesting to hear Catherine's story and where she worked before she started QKine, but also um, fascinating for me personally to hear more about the Pathfinder funding she was able to access from Cambridge Enterprise and also what it was like to pitch the investment committee at Cambridge Enterprise. Um, In the past, I sat um, during the meetings at the investment committee seeing startups pitch. So it's nice to hear what it's like from the other side because I could see it can be quite a nerve-wracking experience mm. yeah it was really nice to hear um there was a real direct benefit of being based with us here in the bradfield center by having that opportunity to meet cambridge angels and uh, to become i think they catherine described themselves as one of their halo companies uh which was which was nice to hear. yeah so i mean i think a lot of people will know but um we tried to be so much more than just provide a desk and an office at the bradfield center you know we tried to bring in the right kinds of support and infrastructure to help grow our members as quickly as possible. So great to hear that live case study in action. Thanks again to Catherine for coming on today's show. You can keep up with the show by subscribing on all the usual podcasting platforms or by going to breakfastcenter.com and you can find us under community and events.